Hey, this is Dave Chris. I'm the pastor of We're One based out of Gateway Assembly, and this is our podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. We pray that this equips you and encourages you in your faith to see Jesus more clearly in your life. Let's hit it. Last week, Pastor Dave, I'm just going to recap a little bit because, like I said, it was so good. It was so good. I just got to pull some nuggets. I was taking notes. My hand was basically like on fire. I'm like, it's frozen like this forever because I was writing so fast. I was writing so fast. I was taking all those notes. And here's two of the things that I wrote because it was so good. His message was called The Deception of Perception. And he talked about what, what, what we perceive can oftentimes be the thing that the devil uses against our own perception. So the deception of perception is to get you to believe that you need to be somebody in the world's eyes to change the world. But guess what? Your influence doesn't come from who you are. It comes from who Jesus is in you. That was good. That was good. That was fire. Okay. If you did not write that down from last week, you got it from this week. Or the influence you engage with will be the influence you equip with. Now, Pastor Dave, when he was talking, he was talking about how you have the ability to tap into some influence in your life. You have that ability. But the problem is when you are sitting in a state of deception where the enemy has his hand upon your mind, has his hand upon your vision, upon what you see, upon what you think, upon what you, how you act, upon all those things. When he has his hand upon you, you can't see clearly. That means you cannot operate clearly. That means that what you have going on in your life, the influence that you have will be the influence you engage with will be the influence you equip with. So the influence that you have that are, is influencing you, guess what's going on? Guess what's going down? You are not influencing others the way that you perceive things. So when he was speaking, he also talked about this thing called the illusion of choice. And the illusion of choice is something that happens all the time. He talked about uh, a pop. He talked about how certain restaurants, he talked about how certain uh, companies will use this illusion of choice to try and get you to buy their products. They put billboards up. They put people up there who are looking fine, holding like this type of beverage that, hey, you will look as good as us if you wear this. You will look as cool as me if you have this. They're constantly trying to get you to purchase their products, and they do it in a way that's so cunning. They do it in a way that is so crafty. You know, there are people on board, there are people who are hired on board to social media companies to get you addicted. That's their job. Their job is solely, they are addiction specialists, and they've worked as therapists, and they're working on social media companies to try and get you addicted. That's their job. And it's crazy because guess what? It works. We are chained to our phone. And we're chained to our social medias. We're chained to all these things. And the algorithms that are created on social media, as Pastor Dave recapped, he talked about how these algorithms are built to put you in a bubble. They're built to put you in a bubble where now only the things that I see on my social media are the things that I've uh, looked up before, the things that I say, right? Now, if I'm looking on Siri, if I go, hey, Siri, find me the nearest restaurant around me, now all of a sudden ads for certain restaurants are going to be popping up because it's built to put you within a sphere, within a bubble, within a bubble of its own influence. Now, tonight, I don't know how y'all feel about bubbles. I don't know if there's any people who are like anti-bubble. Is that a thing? Can you be anti-bubble? I don't know. Me, me and Pastor Dave, when we were talking about this message, we were tooling it out. He's like, do you have any like, cool stories with bubbles? I was like, who has cool stories about bubbles? I don't, know, I don't know if there's anyone who's like, I hate bubbles. Like, they're picketing outside of, like, bubble factories. I don't know how that works. But, like, I, I mean, you're a kid. You like bubbles. Like, you get a bubble bath. Y'all know what I'm saying? Who here, like, you love taking, like, you love taking bubble baths as a kid? Y'all know what I'm saying? Okay, let's go. Come on, people. Right? Like, I didn't need a shower. I didn't need to actually be clean. I just wanted to have a fun time in the bubble bath. Right, Mom? Get off my back, Mom. Right? Okay? So I would jump in the bubble bath and have fun. Bubbles are cool, right? So hey, we got some bubbles out here just because, you know, we got to throw it down right. And uh, I don't know if y'all ever played with this. Where's mine at? You ever have these like, now this is, makes me like really 90s, okay? Because these came out in the 90s. Y'all know what I'm talking about? They're like, they're like plastic bubbles. Let's see if we can blow these, ready? So Kev, you good? You guys good? Okay, let's see who can blow this, ready? Did we get one? Did we? Oh, here we go. Here we got started. Okay, okay, wait. I got to reconfigure. These are, these are much harder. We practiced and practiced, and this is 
the best we can do. Kev, Kev got it last time. Here we go. Nope, didn't work. Do we got yours? Oh, let's go, dude. Yes. Did that happen at the same time simultaneously? Here, let me see this bubble, okay? Now, Kev, Kev's got the iron lungs, okay? Let's see these bubbles. Now, when we talk about bubbles, we could be talking about bubbles like these. Who's ever blown these up before? Who's ever used these? These were like the thing back in the day. All like the young kids are like, uh, yeah, totally, I've done that before. Hey, can we give them a hand tonight as they go back? Yes. I'm gonna keep these bubbles because uh, I like them. They're nice. I'm just gonna set them right here. <gasps> no, 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 no. Just don't breathe. No one breathe, okay? Okay. See, bubbles are like a like when you're a kid. They're like the best thing ever. Like you see them floating. You're like, how is it doing that? How is it suspending in air? What is this sorcery, right? When you're a kid, you get to play them. You get to blow them. For some reason, they're like the best thing ever. And now, even some of y'all, when you see bubbles, you're like, oh, I gotta go get some, right? For some reason, there's something that draws you to bubbles, right? And I think a lot of it, at least from a boy's perspective, what draws you to bubbles isn't the bubble, it's the act of doing what? Popping the bubble, right? It's the act of destroying this great thing that you've made. Because the thing that makes a bubble cool isn't that it's there, it's that you can pop it right? You can destroy it. And we see bubbles in many different ways. Like we see bubbles, really if you think about it, a bubble just is a sack of air. I don't know what else to, how else to describe it. As a, what is it? What is it? It's just a thing. Uh, what is a bubble? <laughs> I don't know. I didn't have this in my notes. I just realized what is it? It's just a thing of air, right? And then a bubble that you put hydrogen in is like a blimp, right? Where you'd see like floating up in the sky, don't burn it down, that's bad, right? Okay, maybe a bubble that you put helium in could be a, a balloon, right? Maybe a bubble that you, essentially what a bubble, when you put hot air in it, it's a hot air balloon. And, like a, and hot air without the, without the bubbles just farts, right? So you have many different uses. I don't know if you have uses for bubbles. They just are. And the thing about them is it's hard to describe what they are without describing what you do with them, that you pop them, you destroy them. What's the use of a bubble unless you can pop it, right? So satisfying. It's just like popping a bubble wrap. It's just like doing all those things. So satisfying we get to pop it. Now spiritually, when we equate this, uh, a bubble for you and your life looks a little different. It's not quite as harmless. It's not quite as uh, is maybe hard to blow up. Sometimes it happens naturally. Sometimes in your life it might have happened without you even knowing that you've placed yourself or you've been placed inside of a bubble. Maybe that bubble is your friend group. Maybe that bubble is your thinking. You've been placed inside a bubble. And when PD talked about the deception of perception, what happens is the devil's job is to get you inside of a bubble and not know what's happening on the outside. That's his goal. That's his primary goal. And the thing about a bubble is, it is the softest prison you could ever be in because you don't know you're in it. Right? You know when you're inside a prison cell and you got the bars and you're, and you're screaming, let me out, let me out. But when the devil can secretly encapsulate you inside of a bubble, you have no idea what you're in because it feels so good, it feels so comfortable, it feels so nice to be in there, and that's his job, to contain you and your influence, because when the devil can contain your influence, he can maintain your ignorance. That's his job, that's his goal in life. He has one purpose, the word says in John 8:44, he was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, there is no truth in him when he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. His goal is to get you to look from inside of a bubble at the rest of the world with a skewed vision, with a skewed mindset, with a skewed influence, not being able to receive or put out any influence to the people around you. See, have you ever said this to yourself? Have you ever said this? Have you ever been like, yo, I can't stop doing this one thing? 
I keep doing this one sin. I keep going back to that same thing. I keep thinking this way. I can't stop myself from thinking this. I try and go to bed and I keep thinking this. I keep thinking this. I can't stop myself from acting this way. And we focus on, I just got to stop it. I just got to stop it. I just got, I can't do this thing. God doesn't want you to just stop it. He wants you to pop it because there's a bubble that's happening in your head. There's a bubble that's been built around your life. There's a bubble that's been built around your mindsets and your way of thinking. How do you get out of it? Well, a lot of times we're pounding on the side of that bubble being like, let me out. When God says, hey, my, my words are like a double-edged sword. If you just pop that, you can be free. Now, that sounds very simple, but putting it into an actual practice in your life is much more difficult. It's so simple when we talk about, hey, you, just, you, you don't just got to stop it, you got to pop it. It sounds good. It, it writes down really well. It feels good to the ears, right? Oh, it feels so good. That's a good word. But how do we do that? How do we activate our influence? Well, first you have to understand that in a bubble, in a bubble, your influence is only limited to what's around you inside of that bubble. See, inside that bubble, maybe you might have a very large bubble and you might not know it. Maybe inside of this bubble that's been created or you've created for yourself, you're inside of it and you even have your friends in there. You even have your, your people that you hang out with. You got your homies, you got the crew, you got the pack, you got all them in there. Maybe you have your family in there, but you haven't let God in. And, he, and, he, and he's waiting. Maybe, maybe you have the, the thoughts that you keep reminiscing on. Maybe that's the hurt from the past. Maybe it's the anger from the present or the fear of the future. Maybe that's you. You're sitting in this bubble. But the problem is your influence can only reach as far as those walls that are around you. And you keep trying to get out. You keep trying to maneuver. And you're carrying that lack of influence around with you. You can only affect with what's around you. But you can't interact with who's above you and who's in you. See, what happens all the time is we get in this place where we're asking God, God, I, I, I need you, I want you, I want you, I want you. But we built this wall and we've allowed the devil to place this bubble that we're in around us to where it's like I can't hear him. I can't experience him. I can't, I can't do this. You feel so helpless. You feel so worthless. You feel... You feel no comfort in his presence. You feel no place in his house. You feel nothing. Maybe you need to ask yourself, where am I? Where am I tonight? Not geographically, but spiritually, where are you? Have you placed walls around your heart? Have you placed something between you and the Lord? Have you placed something between you and godly influences? Have you placed something between you and influencing others towards the Lord? See, a bubble is kind of like a sphere. And if you've uh, paid attention at all during this message, we talked about the spheres of influence and how you have to pay attention to the spheres that you're in, the sphere of influences you're in. Maybe it's a friend group and you can see your reach within that friend group. You can see how you can affect and influence the people around you. You can see maybe in another friend group how they're reaching out and they're affecting you. They're warping your mindset or maybe they're encouraging you and they're lifting you up. Maybe it's a good friend group, maybe it's bad. But you have to recognize the, fear, the spheres that you're in. The problem though is if you stay put in the same sphere for long enough, it encapsulates you and that's where you live the rest of your life. I, pr I promise you, the goal of God for your life, his goal for your future, his vision for your future is not to stay in the same sphere. You do not want to be 50 years old with the same spheres of influence. I promise you. You don't want to be, you do not want to be that old and be like, listen, my, my influence hasn't grown. It stayed exactly the same. Why? Because God has made you to expand everything. But you can't expand until you let him pop the bubble. You can't expand your influence. And you can't grow in the influence that God gives you until you let him pop the bubble. Isaiah 54, 2 says this. Enlarge the place of your tent. Stretch your curtains wide and don't hold back. Lengthen your cords. Strengthen your stakes. Now, what's this saying? This is saying right here, this is in Isaiah. He's basically saying, my tent is like a bubble. Except for in this moment, my tent 
is not just a bubble that I'm captured in. My tent is the influence that God has given me. And God, I want you to expand the influence that I have. Because I don't want to stay still. I don't want to stay stagnant. I don't want to stand and plateau in my life. I want my influence to grow. I want what God gives me to grow. He wants it to grow for you. And this, this isn't just an encouraging pat on the back talk. This is some, this is some father-son, father-daughter type deal, right? God the Father is talking to you and he's saying, listen, if you're standing still in your life, let's get moving because I got some things to grow. Come on, pastor's vision what territory territory now you cannot take territory when you're stuck in a bubble stuck in a rut stuck doing the same things over again thinking the same thoughts having the same things come upon your life doing the same sins you cannot enlarge the influence that God has for you if that's all you're doing is 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 going around in circles stuck in those same spheres stuck in those same places you can't do it and and everyone has a different bubble to pop like, we don't all deal with the same stuff. We don't all got the same problems, the same sins, the same thoughts. We all deal with different things. Maybe your bubble is bad influences. Maybe you're stuck in a bubble of bad influences and God wants you to pop it. Maybe you're stuck in a bubble of bad relationship. Maybe that's where you is. Maybe you're in a place of a bad relationship. Maybe that's the spot where you are right now and you're thinking you're trying to make it work, you're trying to make it work and you almost can't even see life without them that's your life now that's what's encapsulated you that's all you are that's all you're worth everything is wrapped up within that maybe it's terrible thinking now I can relate with this sometimes I stay up at night and I just reminisce and I think and I think and I think maybe you're the person who you can't fall asleep if I'm talking to you tonight I promise you God can pop the bubble maybe you're the person who is constantly stuck in a state of indecision you can't decide what to do with your life. Maybe you're at a crossroads. Maybe every moment feels like a crossroads and you can't decide what to do. Even if it's like, hey, welcome to McDonald's, what can I get you? Uh, uh, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know. Maybe you're just living your life in indecision, right? Maybe that's how you are. Maybe you're stuck in a state of numbness or a state of anger, a place where you just can't stop being angry. You can't stop blowing up. You can't stop getting frustrated. You don't even know why. You go, God, I don't know why I'm frustrated anymore. I'm just mad. I'm just so frustrated. God wants to pop that bubble tonight. God did not design you to be stuck. He didn't. He didn't make you to stand still. He made you to go. He made you to expand. He made you to grow. That's why he created you. If you were supposed to be who you are the rest of your life, I promise you, you ain't gonna love it. <laughs> that song we just sang, your love's too good to leave me here. God, your love is too good to leave me here. You love me as you found me. You found me in my state right now, in this place, in the spheres and the bubbles and the circles of influence that I have, but you love me so much, you don't even wanna leave me here. You want me to grow, you want me to go to the next place. Who here wants to go to the next place with God tonight? Come on, let's go. Let's go. Turn to your neighbor and say, pop the bubble. So practically, as PD talked about the deception of perception, I'm going to give you four ways that I believe will practically pop that bubble tonight. And I hope at least one applies to you because I believe they do. I believe that all could apply to you. And if you can put these things into practical use, your perception will change. Your obedience will change. Your heart will maneuver into a place to guide your mind towards the things above and not towards the things of the flesh that you see around you all the time. You will see your life move in a different trajectory, I promise you, as God pops that bubble. And maybe you got bubble within bubble. It's like those nesting dolls where you keep pulling them out and keep pulling them out. Listen, God's got a big needle, right? He's a pow, 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 right? He's going to get it, I promise. He's got the power to pull you out of any situation you put yourself in or anyone else puts you in. He has you tonight. Four things to pop the bubble. Okay, if you're taking notes, you better take them. Popping number one. Number one, we gotta kill the comfort zone. Why do we sit our lives? Why do we put our minds? Why do we sit ourselves in a state where we're in a bubble? Well, 
It's easy, man. It's comfortable in here, right? Do you ever think about, you ever see like Tinkerbell, like she's sitting in a bubble? I'm like, dog, I want to sit in a bubble. That looks comfy as heck. <laughs> that looks great. Like my back's just waking up. I'm like, ah, oh, my back's so sore just from waking up, man. I just want to relax in a nice big bubble, right? Take a bubble bath, maybe chill out, maybe pop a bubble, uh, chew some big league chew, you know what I'm saying, right? It's comfortable. It's comfortable to be in a bubble. It's comfortable to, to not have things invade my space. Mom, give me my privacy, right? It's comfortable to have that. But you are ruined if you spend your life in a bubble. If you are the only one who knows you, let me tell you, <laughs> that's not fun. Because I'm pretty awful, and so are you. So I better share my problems with the people around me. I better get out of my comfort zone and share my insecurities, share my inequities, share my problems, so they can either be like, yo, dog, that's messed up. Y'all need to fix some stuff. Or here, let me encourage you. Let me pull you through. That's the reason we're here. Maybe you came in tonight, you're like, I'm uncomfortable. I'm sorry, but that's awesome. <laughs> Welcome. We love you, man. Right? Maybe you're online. You'll be like, what is this? I'm uncomfortable. They're all, they're all hitting me up in the chat. I don't know who they is. Right? Welcome. We love you. We love getting to a place of uncomfortability. Now, it says uh, in Joshua 1.9, I love this, in the ESV version, God says this, Have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous? Do not be frightened and do not be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. He's talking to a guy named Joshua, and he says this a couple times in this chapter. He says, Have I not commanded you? He didn't say, Hey man, dog, yo, I'm just gonna say like, please, can you be some? Can you be a little strong and courageous? No, no, no. He said, I've commanded you, be strong and courageous. You build a bubble around your life because you want to be the antonyms of strong and courageous. You want to be weak and defenseless. Listen, you are not weak and defenseless. That's the number one tactic of the enemy is to get you to think, as he puts you in that bubble, that you are weak and defenseless. Has God made you weak and defenseless? Turn to neighbor and say, you are strong and courageous. We are here to get out of our comfort zone. Not because we like it. Listen, I don't like it. I don't like being up here. I'm going to be honest. I hate being on stage. I hate doing this stuff sometimes. I hate having to do what I need to do. I hate having to go up and talk to people. But listen, when I go up and talk to them and I can realize what God can do in their life, that exceeds anything that I have from my own comfort zone. Come on, people. I ain't even making sense anymore. I'm just telling you that I promise you there are greater things beyond the bubble. And if you would just let God pop it and you would go outside your comfort zone, if you would just put to death and kill the comfort zone, I promise you, he will bring to life some new things in your life. You, could, you would look back at yourself and be like, who was I? I used to be that shy little kid who used to not even be able to talk to anybody. Listen, I was the shy kid who couldn't even look and have eye contact with people. Now when people come up to me, I'm like this. Yo, what's up? Right? No, I'm just kidding. Maybe sometimes, right? I'm going to do that some of you tonight. We all have a different version of a comfort zone. Maybe talking to people is easy for you, but being real is hard. Hmm. Maybe you're the person who all you want to do is just uh, hang out with people, but you don't want to be honest about what God is doing in your life or the struggles you're having as a human being. Listen, we all humans here, I hope, right? Y'all humans here. We all got problems, we all got struggles. If you can get outside your comfort zone, you can let it be awkward for just two seconds. I promise you, God will give you, he will download, he will inject within you his spirit in a new way, I promise you. I promise. And if you're asking, God, let me tap into you, and then someone comes up and is like, hey man, how you doing? You're just like, shut up, leave me alone, I'm scared, right? God's like, dog, I just sent someone I'd send someone to tap in. What do you want from me? We have to kill the comfort zone. Maybe you're not the type of person who it's hard to reach out asking for help. Maybe it's facing a fear in your life, a fear of the future, a fear of misunderstanding, a fear of misaligning with God's will, whatever it is. He doesn't want that for you. 
So how do we get out of it? How do we pop this bubble? What's the practicality? Well, I have two things. First of all, you gotta find some people who are better than you and hang around them. <laughs> I know that sounds simple, right? And I'm not here to say anyone's better than all of you. I'm not here to play favorites or put anyone on pedestals or anything like that. But according to you, there are some people who are better than you, right? Because that's how I work sometimes. I'm like, man, they're so much better than me. Can't believe they do this, right? And what my natural reaction the comfortable thing to do is if they are better than me, I'm like, go away, <laughs> be gone, right? Why would I want to be around people who are way better than me? I want to be around people who I think, man, I'm the greatest, man. Look at me, I pull up with my friends and they're all trash, right? Because it makes me feel better about myself. That's true, I'm being honest. If that's you and you look around and you are the holiest in all of your friend groups, guess what? You ain't gonna be holy for long. It's not how it works. I want you to find some people that they are so on point with God, they make you uncomfortable and hang around them. Because guess what? <laughs> You're gonna start to be like them. You're going to start to pray like them. You're going to start to see the miracles of God happen around them. And then you're going to be like, dang, what have I been missing out on? The reason I haven't hung out with them is because either they make me uncomfortable or the reason I haven't hung out with them is because I believe that their spiritual journey is on point. I want to hang out with, with some people who maybe don't have that because it makes me feel better about my spiritual journey. God, I, I finally feel like I'm better than other people around me. <laughs> but when I hang out with them, I feel like trash. Now, I'm not here to exploit any insecurity. If you have an insecurity, God's not here to be like, listen, let me just pound that insecurity into the ground. But the one way to face insecurity is not to put yourself, zip it up, and sit in a bubble the rest of your life. The way to face insecurity is to go, God has made me strong. If a young man can take a sling and a rock and slay a giant, I want to do the same thing with those things that are facing me down every day. When the devil gets you to perceive, and when he gets this lie just permeating within your life that you have to find this comfortable place away from everyone else, I promise you, you'll be stuck in that bubble. And you'll be stuck there for a long time. It says in Psalms 1-1, blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way, of, and stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers. Blessed is that person who does not do those things. Your comfort zone cultivates laziness. It cultivates pride. It cultivates ignorance. God calls us, listen, he calls us to step beyond that, to step beyond your comfortability. Maybe you're the type of person, maybe, who the comfort zone stops at meeting new people and, and connecting with people. And you just want to stay in that clique because it's comfortable. You just want to stay with those people because you're afraid, because you're scared to step out. You're scared to say the things. That, maybe you're scared like, I don't even know how to have a conversation with a person. I don't even know what's normal, right? I don't even know, are, are, hi, are you alive, right? That's your conversation. You don't know what to do. We've all been in those spots. Listen, huh, I'm the first person. Who <laughs> I love awkward conversation. You know why? I'm awkward as heck, man. I'm so awkward. And it's taken me 27 years to realize that is Gucci, man. I'm awkward. Who's had an awkward conversation with me? Let's go. Come on. We've all had it. We've all done it. We've all done like the handshake where you're like, uh, I think, oh, sorry. I'm going to go die now. <laughs> Right? We've all had those moments. But let me tell you, God wants you to be at peace with all men, not comfortable with all everybody. Right? If the only thing I'm talking about in my friend groups are the comfortable things, I'm in my comfort zone, and that's it. If you have a hard time talking about God in your friend groups, you might have a hard time finding God in your friend groups. And I've been there. I've been in my comfort zone. I've been where it's comfortable and when it's nice to sit. But God has not given us a, a spirit of fear and timidity. He has not done that. He hasn't done that to you. He hasn't done that to me. But a spirit of power and love and self-discipline. Why? Because there's territory to take. When we can pop that bubble, there's more and more territory to take. Come on, you've got territory to cultivate. 
Not only do you need to take it, but you need to cultivate it. And that cultivation starts beyond your comfort zone. It doesn't stay within it. And every time you can kill that comfort zone, you can realize there are people in the world who need Jesus. And I don't want to be so focused on my relaxation and being comfortable. I don't want to be so relaxed that I forget that there's people who need restoration. There's people who need to be restored. But I'm sitting here in my comfort zone, God. It's so relaxing. It's relaxing maybe for you. But they're going to hell. And they're, without, and they're going to live the rest of their life even. Right? As if hell wasn't bad enough, they're going to live the rest of their life without the Savior, Jesus Christ, at their side, in their hearts, around them. That's where they have to live. I would rather abandon my relaxation to help someone through a restoration process with Jesus. So number one, we got to kill the comfort zone. Number two is you need to check yourself. Check yourself. Now, I don't know about you, but I have had a very bad time of it of accidentally leaving my fly down in public sometimes. I'm just going to be vulnerable. That's why I buy pants that are like this. They're joggers. No zipper. It's just strings. You just pull it. You tie it. It's Gucci, right? Okay? Listen, <laughs> I don't know what it is, but when I was younger, well, I know why. I used to wear really tight jeans in case you think these are tight. Those were way tighter back then, right? And something about tight jeans is they pull on the zipper and it falls out, okay? I'm just being honest. And I wouldn't check when I would go out and when the band, when we'd, when we'd play places, when We Are One would play places, uh, right before we go on stage, we'd pray and then we'd do what we call a zipper check, right? Just in case. Because you don't want to be out in front of the crowd and be like, yo, what's up everybody? And they're just like, bro, what the heck, right? You don't want that. You want to check yourself before you go out. There was a phrase back in my day, oh man, this might make me feel really old if none of y'all know it. It's called XYZPDQ. Does anyone know that? No? Okay, bye. See you later. Oh gosh, right? It means examine your zipper pretty darn quick, right? Because you got, you're fly hanging down, right? You got your barn door going. You don't want that open, man. You got to check yourself. I promise. We're getting vulnerable place, right? Come on, pop that bubble. Everyone open up, right? We'll be honest. It's awkward, but it's good. See, in those moments, no one might have told me anything, right? No one would have said, hey, you got food in your teeth. No one would have said, hey, your fly's down. No one would have said, hey, you got that one hair that's sticking up like the Empire State Building on your head. No one would have said that, right? Maybe there's that one person Maybe there's that one person when you're in a crowd and they're like, hey, Tyler, you got something right in your teeth, man. And everyone's like, what? <laughs> but I have to take it on responsibility myself to check myself. It's no one else's fault that I have those problems, that my fly's down, that I got something in my teeth, that I got my hair up, right? It's my problem. And if they help me, that's super nice. That's a pat on the back. But when I go and I look in the mirror, I go, oh, darn. I forgot to check myself. I forgot to check myself. See, when you get up into heaven and you go in front of the king of kings and you stand there in front of God and you're on the judgment seat and he's talking to you and he said, why did you do this? You can't be like, well, no one, no one told me. Because the only person responsible for you is you. And he made you so you have a free will. But that doesn't take away your responsibility to exercise that free will. See, you have to examine yourself inside and out. And that's one of the keys to popping the bubble that you're in. Because if you do not know your intentions, you have no control of your actions. And so many times we're walking around life clueless to our intentions, clueless to why we're doing things. And there are times when you will realize, when you look back and you go, my intentions were bad and I didn't realize it. Listen, that happens to everybody. But I don't want to be walking around the rest of my life not knowing why I'm doing what I'm doing or where I'm going. I want to constantly be checking my motives, be checking my intentions. But at this point, I want to make a distinction because I think this is super important. Being influenced isn't a bad thing. It's not a bad thing. Hopefully, by me preaching tonight, by Pastor Dave preaching previously and in the future, hopefully, 
you will be influenced. Because influence in and of itself isn't a bad thing. God's own conviction upon your life, guess what? It's a type of influence. Influence is a good thing. The question is, where is that influence coming from? And is the source the wellspring of life or of death? Is that source going to get you to the place you know you need to be in a year, in five years, in ten years, in ten minutes? Or is it going to take you and spiral you down into a hopeless chasm of nothing? Into hell? Into a personal anxiety? Into a depressive state? Where is it going to take you? Where is it going to lead you? Is it going to encapsulate you within a bubble? Is that where it's going to take you? You have to know where your influence is coming from at all times. You have to know who's speaking into you, and you have to know what you're speaking out of your heart. See, in John, uh, in 1 John, in the Word, uh, chapter 3, John's talking here about love, and he's talking about how important love is. Love, 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 love. And I love this because the Bible does this sometimes where it's just like talking about something, and it's like, oh, I'm going to talk about this now. And then it comes back. And you can actually look at why that happens, and you can go, okay, there's a reason for this. He didn't just do this because he's like, hmm, I'm going to talk about something else right now, right? He, he, would, he started writing about love, and he's pouring into this John chapter 3 about love. And then he switched over to chapter 4, and then he goes like this. 1 John 4, 1. Dear friends, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. So he's talking about all this love and all this great stuff that makes our heart go, ooh, right? Man, you get the butterflies. It feels good, man. It's so great. And all of a sudden he goes, but wait. Test the spirits to make sure they're of God. And then he starts talking a little bit more. One paragraph later, guess what? He's back on love. He's back on love. And you can read this. You can be like, yo, John, what are you, what are you doing, bro? Because a lot of times it's in the moments when things feel so good when things feel so warm and fuzzy that you can get caught off your guard and you're not checking yourself, right? You know what I'm talking about? You look in the mirror and you go, mm, mm, I look good today. Mm, uh, you know what I'm saying, right? And you're not going to think, my fly's down, right? And I'm about to walk out like I'm all hot stuff, right? And I'm like, mm, what's up, ladies? How you doing? Yo, what's good, right? And you don't realize because you didn't fully check yourself. Because the devil wants to get you off guard and the best way he can do it it's through what he calls love. But don't be deceived. Test the spirits. Test the spirits that are talking to you. I promise you that's how they work. They're talking to you all the time. Test the things that are coming in and coming out of your mind. The Bible says take captive your thoughts. Why? Because those thoughts will embed themselves and influence within you and build a bubble around you. Then you don't even know it. You have no clue. See, this is an honesty hour. Most of the time, uh, when something really, really, really hurts, when someone's pouring something into you and it just hurts really, really bad, it's probably true. I'm not saying all the time. I'm saying most of the times in my life, the thing I needed to hear wasn't always going to be the pat on the back, man, you're the best person in the world, because that would be a lie. The thing I needed to hear was, come on, get up. Come on, you're better than this. Come on, I believe in you. You don't have to sit in this bubble. Come on, you got the next step that God has for you. You just need to activate it right now. But because I haven't tested the spirits, because I haven't been willing to test the spirits around me, I'm also not willing to test my own spirit and look at my own intentions and look at what I'm up to because I'm up to stuff and I got to figure out what I'm doing. Right? <laughs> Let me tell you, you got to figure out what you're up to. You got to ask yourself, what am I up to right now? Why am I here? Why am I on this page? Why am I on this website? Why am I talking to this person right now? Why am I texting them? What are my intentions, right? Why am I talking to them this way? Why did I hold her hand? Why did I kiss them? Why did I do this? Why did I do this? Why? Why is it important to ask yourself? Because you're testing yourself. And you're putting yourself up against the word of God. And you say, am I doing what aligns with the word of God? If you don't, what you're going to do is you're going to walk around aimless. And then a year down the road, you're going to look back and go, why did I do that? What were my, I didn't realize my intentions. I didn't realize what I did. If you lack looking at your intentions, you will live a life of ignorance. And I don't want you to live there. So why is this so hard? Why is this so hard? 
why is it so hard to know my intentions? Why is it so hard to know what I'm up to? Let me see. Uh, because we don't want to know, first of all, because it sucks. <laughs> it's the worst. Because guess what? Most of the time, my intentions are bad, right? Most of the time, my intentions are for the bad thing, the wrong reason. And when someone asks you, why'd you do that? You find some way to make it seem right, right? But most of the time, you're up to no good. Most of the time, I got something going on. Maybe you avoid looking at your intentions. You know what you're up to. You know what's wrong. But you're just a fool. And you don't care. Guess what? We've all been foolish. I love this quote. There's a guy named Vadi. Vadi Bakum. And he says this. If you give the right answer to a hard-hearted person, what they do is they go find another question. If you're asking God for all the... Oh man, God, give me the answer to this. Give me the answer to this. And he gives you the answer but you're living a life of foolishness and a life of hard-heartedness and, and you want to stay in that bubble, guess what? He's going to give you the answer and you're going to find a new question to formulate so you can get the answer that you want instead of the truth that God is trying to apply within your life to pop that bubble that you're living in. And then a year down the road, you'll be like, God, why don't you talk to me? Why don't you talk to me? Why don't you? And he's like, yo, I did. You just didn't like it. I want to be in the place where God can say the the, the meanest things, even if it's true, and I can take it, and I can build upon it, and I can be better because of what he says and the truth that he applies within my life. I want that. I want to be better with that. Number three. So number one. Number two. Number three. Protect your power. First, after you've checked yourself and after you've killed the comfort zone, you have to understand that God has given you an influence and he's given you a place within your schools, within your communities, within your families, within your work, all around you and among you. He's given you an influence, but he needs you to steward it and protect it because it's yours now. Guess what? When God imparted his spirit within your life, when he died, he rose again, and the Holy Spirit came down, and he entered you when you accepted him. Guess what? You have a piece of his influence that you're responsible for. That's the greatest part about the church. That's what's great, because that means that we can activate and we can walk in power. But if we don't protect that power, y'all know what Spider-Man says? With great power comes great responsibility, right? Amen. That's in Spider-Man chapter 4, verse 3, right? We have to protect our power, the power that God gives us, the power that God uses you for. You have to protect. You have to hold on to. Now, I, I don't know if y'all play video games, but you might be into this. Has everyone heard of the game Among Us? Y'all heard of this game? Okay. So none of you. Okay, cool. Um, there's this game, if you've never played it, it's like these little spacemen, right? And they wear funky hats and they're weird colors. And they walk around and they're in the space station. And we were playing this game with some of the leaders, and it's funny because uh, you're walking around and you're doing these tasks as these spacemen. And you don't know that one or two of the people around you are what we call imposters, right? And in the game, imposters chop you up. That's that simple. Like, it's all cute and fun and giggles until they murder you in cold blood in space. And then it's your job as a group to rally the troops and be like, okay, who is the person who's the imposter? And if you get the imposter wrong, you're gonna send your friends flying into space, into the infinite abyss, right? And somehow that's still just as satisfying. <laughs> I ain't gonna lie. But you, you're walking around trying to find this imposter. And what's funny is, as I'm playing this game, I'm picturing my message and I pictured me talking about it because when you look at the imposter and when you see it, it's so, uh, it's so indicative of what's going on in the church right now that there are imposters among us right now. That Jesus was sitting with the 12 and he knew there was an imposter among them. He knew that someone was going to betray them. Now, I'm not saying some of y'all are going to sell me for coins, right? I ain't saying that. But I'm saying you're walking around pretending to be something you're not because you hadn't protected the power that God gave you. 
And maybe initially, when you experienced Christ, when you, when you had him in your heart, you were filled up with all this power. But along the way, when the devil says, hey, can I have some of that, you give it to him. And you give it to him, whether it's the form of sin, whether it's pornography, whether it's anger, whether it's gossip, whatever it is for you. You keep giving him your power until you're left as an empty shell that looks like a Christian, that sounds like a Christian, but you're an imposter. And some of y'all could be real with me tonight. You could be real with yourself. You would say, that's probably me. I've given away my power. I've given away the things that God has given me. But I want to promise you tonight, you can get it back. You can get it back, right? Because guess what? Your power doesn't come from who you've given it to. Your power comes from who's in you. Who resides in you. That's where your power comes from. God is so powerful, he can take an imposter, and he can do the impossible with them, and he can make them into things that they've never achieved, that they've never thought that they could achieve. You look at the Apostle Paul. You look at who he was. He was a man who killed Christians. That was his job. He held coats as people would stone Christians. And he became one of the greatest apostles you look at Peter and all the 12 disciples, they were fishermen. If you want to talk about living in a bubble and feeling like you're going to do nothing, they were fishermen. They just casted their nets, grabbed the fish, went home. And God used them. He expanded what they had. After we kill the comfort zone, after we check yourself, you have to realize the influence that God has cultivated within you. And if you're not willing to activate that influence, someone else is. And he's trying to take it, and he's taking it from you incrementally. He's taking it from you piece by piece. If you are not an imposter, who are you? If you're not an imposter, then who are you? If you're not someone who follows after Jesus, then, then who are you? Well, I'm a child of Christ. I, I'm, I'm someone who's been bestowed, that power's been bestowed upon my life. You have to know who you are in order to know who you aren't, right? Maybe you're sitting here and toiling, am I an imposter? Am I faking it? Am I faking it? Maybe you are. Or maybe those are mind games that the devil's trying to use against you to constantly take your power, to constantly take the power that God's been giving you. Listen, if you know who you are, don't play mind games with yourself. Don't let him do it either. Tell him who you are. Even if you're unsure of it, even if you just sinned today, yesterday, tell him who you are. Because you're not going to let the devil try and tell you who you are. You're going to remind him who God told you you are. If you're not an imposter, who are you? I'm a child of Christ. Someone who's been bestowed power upon. Someone whose God has given me this power. This power to protect. This influence that I have to protect. Because if I can protect it, and I can walk in holiness, and I can walk, and I can maneuver my life in a place where people see me and they go, you're different, something's set apart about you, I don't understand it, but I want to know about it. Let me tell you something, you'll begin to walk the walk in a new way, God will pop the bubble, and he will use you to pop other people's bubbles as well. And you will activate into an influence you've never had. I use this scripture a lot, but I love it. Hebrews 12, 14. Make every effort to live in peace with everyone and be holy, because without holiness, no one will see the Lord. When you can activate in your power, and when you can utilize your power and you protect it, because someone's trying to steal it, they're trying to steal your influence. The devil is constantly trying to steal your influence, even if it's from your closest friends. He might be trying to steal it that way. Even if it's from your thoughts, he might be trying to steal it that way. But guess what? My influence is so precious and powerful that I'm not going to let anyone take it because I'm going to use it for the betterment of the kingdom of Christ. I, uh, when I was in high school, I used to be the type of Christian who would go straight all the way up to the line of not doing something wrong, but I would go just right up to the edge. And I would use words in high school that you wouldn't classify as swear words. They weren't swear words, but they were definitely very inappropriate. And I would use these words flippantly because they're not swear words. They're not bad. They're not as bad as a swear word, but, you know, I'm still a Christian, right? I'm good. I'm Gucci, right? So I was sitting in class, and I invited one of my friends 
to, to church. And she starts talking to me, and she starts inquiring about me and my faith, and she goes, you don't swear. And I go, no. I start, like, puffing myself up. I'm like, no, no, I'm, I'm good. I don't swear. I don't do all this stuff. And she goes, then why do you use this word, this word, this word, and this word? And I was standing there speechless. And I remember my power feeling like it was stripped from me. Because how am I supposed to bring her to church when I've been acting this way? Right? How am I supposed to be the good witness that I am? How am I supposed to be the person who shows themselves to be set apart when I'm blended right in? And I'm using those words. And to this day, I hear people using these words. But I promise myself I will never use it. Why? Because it's not about the word, it's about the influence. The influence has been stripped from me now. I try and witness and I try and talk to them and I try and bring them closer to the Lord, but they go, if you are what closer to the Lord looks like, I don't want to be a part of it. God doesn't want you to start giving out your power to the things of this world. He doesn't want you to start divvying out your power. He wants you to walk the walk and talk the talk, right? If I'm going to talk the talk and I'm going to act like it, I better walk it. If I'm going to say, hey, man, I'm a Christian, I'm saved by grace, I, I, I live in a new, uh, in a new covenant, I'll, I'll do all this stuff, right? All this christian stuff, all this stuff that sounds like the Bible, and then I go use these words, or I go act this way, or I go look at something, or I laugh at something, or I do all this stuff. I'm slowly giving up my influence, so then when I try and bring someone to Christ, they're going to be like, what's the difference between you and me, other than you say you're a Christian and I'm not? When you start to cheapen the sin, you also cheapen the salvation, if, if I go, oh, that sin's not a big deal, that sin's not a big deal, that sin's not a big deal, none of this is good, you know, I, I'm divvying out my power, then why in the world did Jesus come to save me from those sins? What's the point? If I cheapen all those sins and I say, no, these sins, they're not a big deal, then Jesus is like, yo, why did I come down then if there ain't such a big deal? Because it is a big deal. The things that our world is going in right now, politically, spiritually, culturally is a big deal it is a huge deal the influences that are cultivating within your campus within your work your home maybe it's a big deal protect the power protect the influence you have because when you give it up you will feel empty and you'll feel like an imposter because that's what i felt like i felt like i was like i got nothing to give you and god can restore and he can move if I protect. See, there are two things that God wants us to protect. First of all, if you haven't seen Pastor's message on uh, the 10 virgins talking about the oil, go to gwfamily.com. Go watch that. He says, protect the oil. That means protect what God has given you, the salvation he's given you. But the second thing he wants you to protect is your power. And that starts with hiding God's word in your heart. Psalms 119.11 says this, I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. So you might be like, I've hidden God's word in my heart. What's that mean? Because I thought, like, if I protect and I hide his word, I thought I'm supposed to talk to people about Jesus. Why would I hide his word in my heart? Well, I love this because Matthew 12, 34 says, for, out of the the, for the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. For out of the heart, the mouth speaks. So what that means is this. If you hide the word of God, if you hide the power of God within your heart, you will activate that because you're protecting that power within your heart. You will begin to move, you will begin to talk, you will begin to walk in a way that is more powerful than you've ever been able to do before because you're not letting the devil touch the power that he's given you. You're, you're saying, no, this is precious, this is powerful. I'm not letting him touch it. And what I have in my heart, I protect but that doesn't stop me from proclaiming what other people can have in their hearts. Step number four is you need to let it echo, right? God's promises, his promises are the echo of his presence. And when he's here in this place, we don't wanna keep it here. It's good to let it cultivate. It's good to let it bounce off the walls. It's good to let it echo within here. But there's a phrase that's been used a lot, and it's being used a lot. It's called an echo chamber. Now, an echo chamber is a set of ideas that just float around in the same space. 
right? They just, they're just sitting here in the same space. God never intended the church to leave what happens here, here. He never intended it. See, a chamber is something that bubbles. A chamber is something that caps and captures, encapsulates. A chamber is something that holds, right? God's church is not a chamber because that would mean that what happens here only stays here. That would mean the ideas that we are telling the world will save them can only happen here. That would mean that the ideas that God is placing in this place are just bouncing off the walls and never leaving this place. God never expected you to leave here and leave what God has done in you here. He never wanted you to do that. He never intended you to leave and be like, oh, that was super good. I'll just leave God's presence at the church. That's an echo chamber. See, the echo that God has in your life is meant to go out. Once you've killed the comfort zone, once you've gone beyond what you're comfortable in, once you've checked yourself, once you've looked around in your surroundings, checked where you're at, understood where you're at, understood your location spiritually, once you begin to start to pop that bubble, and once you begin to protect the power that God has for you, he wants you to let it echo. We sang this song. Your love is holding on, right? But I'm not going to let it stay here. So that when I shout, the echo doesn't stay in the chamber. But it moves beyond these four walls to the people who need it the most. It's good that we meet here with like-minded Christ followers. It's good that we meet here. Why? Because it encourages, it uplifts, it edifies, the word says. That's the purpose of the church. That's the purpose of the body. We're here to uplift and edify. But if we uplift and we edify, but we never go and experience the world and show them who Jesus is, we never show them the experience, we never show them what it is to encounter a loving God, then what you've experienced here stays here that ain't worth it because God wants to pop that bubble if the only people you encounter and the only people you share Jesus with are the people who you feel are safe to share Jesus with God wants to pop that bubble tonight because I'm going to tell you sometimes it's the most angry people Sometimes it's the most hurting people, it's the most desperate people, it's the most mean, the most cynical, the, the worst people who need Jesus the most. And guess what? You're all the worst people too. We all get to be there. We've all been there. We've all been at that place. The church is not made to be an echo chamber. A chamber holds things in. The church lets things out. A chamber locks people out. The church welcomes people in. We are a hospital for the sick. I love the song, man. We're breaking out of these four walls to build a home for the broken heart. This is just the start. We gotta let it out, man. We gotta let it echo. It starts when we pop this bubble and we realize the world is so much bigger and it's in so much need but maybe you're too comfortable. Maybe you haven't checked your surroundings. Maybe you haven't checked yourself. Maybe you haven't tested the spirits. Maybe you've been in a place where it's just nice to be in that bubble. Can you bow your heads and close your eyes tonight? If that's you, you say, I've been stuck in a bubble. I've been stuck in a rut. I've been stuck in the same place. I feel like for my whole life, it feels like for for days, for weeks, for months, for years, I've been stuck in this bubble. Maybe I can't leave my comfort zone. Maybe I, I'm ignorant to what's going around me. Maybe I've been handing out my power to the people who are trying to use it against me. I've been giving the power that God has bestowed me to the enemy. Maybe you haven't proclaimed what Jesus has done in your life. If that's you, and you say, I need Jesus in my heart. I need to pop this bubble, this thinking that I've had. I need to pop it tonight. If that's you, can you raise your hand? No one looking around. 
Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you so much. Hands everywhere. Thank you, thank you. We got hands everywhere. Can we pray this prayer tonight? Thank you, I see you. I see you. Can we pray this prayer tonight? Because I believe that prayer works. I believe that it's powerful. And God's going to use it tonight to pop some bubbles in your life, to pop this thought process, this action, these steps you've taken. Say this with me. Say, Jesus, tonight I want to live for you. Say, Jesus, tonight I accept you into me, into my heart, into my worldview. Pop the bubble I've been living in. Meet me where I am, but expand me beyond what I am right now. Let it echo, let it continue on past myself. I want to be a part of something greater because you are greater. I love you, Jesus. In your name, amen.